All right, and good morning, Ridge Point Church. How are you doing this morning? Good. Is everybody up for a fun journey this morning? Yes, we're glad you're here. Do me a favor, turn to the person next to you, give them a fist bump and say, I'm glad to see you this morning. Man, turn to the person on the other side and say, I'm glad to see you. We leave them out every week. Turn to the other side and say, I'm glad to see you as well. Listen, we are super excited to be kicking off a brand new series this morning uh, that we have been talking about and dreaming about for a long time. But before we do that, I want to share something just from the bottom of my heart about kind of what makes us tick as people who follow Jesus and especially as Ridge Point Church. You see, there's an American dream that's out there, and kind of at the core of the American dream is that most people want to be rich. But Jesus teaches us, and and as Jesus came and established this new kingdom, uh, he teaches us, and the early church teaches us, that our goal as people who follow Jesus shouldn't be to be rich in terms of monetary value, but literally there's this passage in Scripture that says we want you to be rich in good works, In other words, we want to make a difference. And the next couple of weeks we have, actually the next couple of months, we have some really unique opportunities to be able to do that. Uh, We're going to hear about some of those coming up, but something that is very immediate. Uh, You, like like I, in the past week, we were spared tremendously from the wrath of Hurricane Dorian. But if we watch what happened in the Bahamas, it was absolutely just staggering to see. A Category 5 hurricane just helped them for over 24 hours. And a lot of people have been asking, like, how can I help? What can I do? Because it just seems like everything was lost. Well, there's a group that's partnering with Brown Seaplane Base, and they're collecting goods to take over this week. Uh, so Ben and Allison, if you guys know Ben and Allison, you guys raise your hand over there so everybody knows they are. They kind of run Brown Seaplane Base, and, and they're collecting goods right now, and they're shipping them out on Tuesday. So if you want to help out, I'm sure any of the basic needs that they have, if you have questions, you can talk to them, but a great chance for us immediately to help out. And then the coming weeks, some other opportunities we have to be a part of saying, man, God, we want to build up your kingdom. And to be built up in your kingdom doesn't mean that we want to amass this wealth for ourselves, but to try to be rich in good works. So there's going to be some opportunities to be able to do that. But if this week you want to help out, Brown Seaplane Base is a collection base for them. They're going to take a seaplane over and be able to help out with recovery work in Bahamas. So see them if you have any questions. Today we get a chance to talk about this series, though. And, and I've been excited about this because we're talking about... The problem in our life of miscommunication, if you hadn't told, if you couldn't tell by the, by the title of the series, I said this, you heard that, is, is a prominent problem in our world. In fact, I remember when I, was, when I was young, I was probably eight or nine years old, and some of you will remember this, but they used to have like on TV when you got home from school, they'd have some cartoons, but they also had some situational comedies, some sitcoms that were like family friendly, and they were on in syndication every afternoon. And I can remember for myself and my brother, I was eight or nine years old, maybe a little bit older, we would come home, we'd rush to get our homework done, and we would watch TV shows like Different Strokes. How many remember Different Strokes? Yeah, what you talking about, Willis? Like that, that, that show right there, the Drummonds. And, and like, I love that show. And, and one of the things, though, even as a young person, though, that absolutely drove me crazy is that in, in almost every episode, like most stories, there's, there's a, a plot that kind of develops and the plot looks something like this. There's, uh, there's kind of this, this rising action. There's, there's tension. There's falling action. And there's resolution. But when it came to that second one, when it came to tension, there was always something that happened in, in every good story, but especially in this 23-minute sitcom, there was some tension that happened that normally revolved around one thing, and it was miscommunication. What would often happen, and it would seem like even as a young person, 
this miscommunication would be simple if someone would just explain what happened. It's inevitably there'd be a TV show where, where someone walked in at the most inopportune time and they didn't see everything else that was going on, but they saw 30 seconds of, of an activity or, or maybe they heard a conversation and they heard 30 seconds of a dialogue and because they didn't hear the entire thing, they thought something that w- happened that wasn't really happening. There was a miscommunication and because of that, there developed a tension in the storyline. And I remember thinking as a young person, like the, the tension that was built up, like it frustrated me. And I would think at eight or nine years old, if someone could just come in and explain the situation, like the whole tension would be resolved, the conflict would be gone. Like all it takes is just a couple of seconds of explaining what happened. Well, we fast forward 30 years and we realize that most of our lives have tension. In fact, most of our lives have conflict, and, and the conflict is primarily, I heard a number in the last couple of weeks, that when it comes to the conflict that we experience, whether the conflict is conflict we have with our spouse, conflict we have with our children, conflict we have with coworkers, conflict we have with neighbors, or even on a national sense, conflict we might have within states or within governments or within countries, of all conflict ties back to miscommunication. Because for the most part, we struggle with communicating well or understanding how to communicate. Husbands, I want to talk to you for a second because I think sometimes this falls on our shoulders. We're having a discussion with our wife. It's not a fight, but we're in disagreement about something. So we're having this discussion and at times it might get a little bit heated. We wouldn't define it as a fight, but maybe it even is a fight. And we're having this discussion early on in the discussion. And, and because, and I don't like to speak in generalities because this isn't always true. But by and large, what I know about husband and wife conflict and the way that we communicate with each other is that husbands like to speak in vague generalities. We're not so precise with our words. Most wives like to use very precise words. And so early on in our discussion, we're having this conversation and, and we say something that our, our wife takes wrong. And we say something, and we don't mean it the way that it came out necessarily, but we say something, the discussion ensues, and about an hour later, we're resolving the discussion, and and we come back and say, well, yeah, but that's what I said when this whole thing started. I said this. And your wife's like, oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) Here's what you said, and she repeats verbatim something you said an hour ago. And as soon as she says it, you say, I do remember saying that, but you don't want to admit that at this point in the discussion. So you still try to argue a little bit or you still try to have this discussion a little bit, but she remembers verbatim. And there's two things that come across. There's two things that enter our mind when that happens. The first one is this. How can I not remember what I had for lunch today? But my wife can remember in detail a conversation we had 13 months ago. Like that doesn't make sense to me. And the other thing that pops in is probably more pertinent is this. We make this statement. But that's not what I meant. Like, like when I said that, that's, I know that's how you took it. And, and maybe because I didn't use the, the proper word choice, maybe that's what I said. But that's not what I meant. Like, like the way that it came across, I didn't, I didn't mean it to come across that way. Well, the problem that we're dealing with today is that most of our conflict, if 90% of our conflict comes from this, this idea that we don't communicate well, 
that we miscommunicate, then if we want to start to, to remove, to extricate some of that conflict from our lives, then we have to learn to be better at this topic of communication, and we have to learn how to communicate with each other, like, like it's essential. I'm not saying that if, if we figure this out, because there's a verse we're going to look at in just a second. In fact, we're going to go back to this verse. We're going to hammer this verse throughout this series. I believe that God, in his infinite knowledge, gave us this verse. And he says, listen, if you want to know everything that you need to know about interpersonal relationships, about business relationships, uh, about even governmental relationships, if you want to know what it means to get along with someone, I'm going to give you one verse in the middle of Ephesians that gives you everything that you need to know about here's how better to communicate with each other. Now, I'm not saying that if we do that, that we're going to remove 90% of the conflict in our life. I wish it was that easy. The problem is that we're all fallen. We all make mistakes. We're all sinners. And because of that, there's a selfish streak throughout us. And sometimes the way we communicate, in fact, a lot of the core of this is we communicate from that position rather than lifting up the other person. But if we could just start to try to figure out how to take Ephesians 4.29 and start to make that insanely practical in our life, to say, God, I, I want to take this verse that, that you've inspired, that you've written, that Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus, and I want to take that and make that my life verse for how I communicate with my spouse, how I communicate with my children, how I communicate with my neighbors, with my coworkers, with my boss, with my employees. I want to take this verse, and I want it to be the overarching theme behind the way that I communicate with people that I like, with people that I dislike, it's going to change entirely the amount of conflict. We, it won't remove all conflict, but it will remove a good chunk of it if we say, God, I want to instill the principles of this verse. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open up to Ephesians 4, we're going to get there in just a second because a breakdown in communication can lead to destruction in relationships. A breakdown in, in, in communication can lead to a destruction in marriages, to destruction in your relationship with your kids, all because of a breakdown in communication. Like, this is essential for us to get this right, to say, man, our, our, our relationships matter, our business partnerships matter, our families matter. And so because of that, if there's anything that I can do to improve my communication skills, then I want to be able to do that. Now, like they said in the video, this is a journey. Today, we're kind of building the tension for where we're going. But here's what I need as we begin to build the tension, is that for a lot of us, when it comes to conflict, we have a tendency to think we're right. In fact, if we're trying to make, if we're trying to argue with someone, whatever it is that we're arguing about, and we don't think we're right, well, that's a little bit psychotic. That's not, that's not smart. Most of us enter into discussion thinking that we're right. Most of us enter into discussion thinking, I have this whole thing figured out. If everyone would just start to think like me, there'd be no more conflict. But if at the beginning of this series, we begin with humility, saying, God, I know I don't have this whole thing figured out. I know that every time there's conflict, I'm not always the one that's in the right. In fact, I know it isn't just the knowledge that I possess, but sometimes the attitude that I have, that when left unchecked, leads to some of the problems that I'm facing now. And if in humility, we'd allow God to start to speak to us and to say, I want to change not just what you're talking about, but how you talk to each other. 
If we come with humility at the beginning of this journey, say, God, teach me something. I'm convinced that we can leave this journey over the course of the next couple of weeks with tools and resources based upon one verse of Scripture that can change the the dynamic and fabric of every relationship that we have. Now, beginning of every school year as fall hits, we do something. And I'll talk about this a little bit more in depth later on, but we do something where what we talk about on Sunday mornings is mirrored with what we're talking about in groups. So the journey that we're on for some of us means we're talking about this on Sunday morning, but we're also gathered throughout the week meeting in people's homes talking about this as well. Uh, So this is something we do just for the fall, but we do a group study where we talk about on Sunday morning is mirrored by what we talk about in service. It all comes back to this one simple verse. In Ephesians chapter 4, the beginning of verse 29 says this. Do not let any, what, oh here, let's go, to, there it is. Do not let, what's the next word? Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, the word that I had you say unwholesome, as soon as you hear that word, depending on the context that you grew up in, that word might mean different things. For me, having grown up somewhat, not a whole lot in the church world, but a little bit in the church world, having some different church experiences, as soon as I hear the word unwholesome, probably like you, right away we think of words that aren't good words, curse words or swear words or or words that we know that we shouldn't use. When we talk about unwholesome words, I think for most of us, that's the first thing that comes to mind. As a matter of fact, if we walk into a church, especially if we walked into a traditional church this morning, and you walked in and people are gathering and there's fellowship taking place and, and people are having conversations. And all of a sudden, someone lets go a word that you think isn't appropriate for church. They use a swear word. Maybe they use a really bad, maybe the F word comes flying out of their mouth. As soon as that, maybe not a rich point, but, but, but at a traditional church, as soon as people heard that, they'd be like, oh, I can't believe he, like, like are the walls going to fall down? Because instantly when we think of this, that's what we think of. We think of of words that just maybe are words that we think aren't appropriate. But as we look at this text, I don't think that at all is what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about our words are meant to make people whole, to to build them up. And so when when, when we use words that aren't wholesome, it means we're using words, not cuss words, not swear words, we're using words that tear people down. And here's the rub, here's the conflict with that traditional church mindset where I can't believe they used that word in churches, that in the same churches, there's often people that have no problem gossiping about one another. There are people that have no problem slandering and knocking each other down. There are people that have no problem tearing that person down instead of building that person up. When Paul writes this, what we talked about, that unwholesome words, he's speaking about our words that make people whole. In the book of James, there's another passage that we read. James is the half-brother of Jesus. And he's writing this practical discourse. Early in his life, he didn't believe in Jesus as Savior. Later on, he does. He becomes a leader in the church. And he writes a, a, a short letter explaining this is what it means to really have authentic faith. In the midst of that, he says this about the way that we speak. He says this, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters... This should not 
be. He says, listen, the words we use are essential. They're important. And we come into church on Sunday morning and we sing songs and, and we lift our hands and we celebrate. We praise God with our mouth. But with the same mouth, we tear down the people that are next to us who, by the way, are made in the very image of God. And he says, that's not how this thing's supposed to work. When Jesus came, he came to establish this new kingdom whose currency was love. And that's the way we're supposed to, to treat one another. That's the way we're supposed to, to care about one another. And we're supposed to use words that are wholesome. Which is why I will often say this. It is way worse to the kingdom of God and what Jesus is trying to establish. That we use a word to tear each other down, to gossip about each other and to destroy each other than it is to cuss. Like one is eminently worse than the other. Now, I know some of you are going to go home after this. You're going to call mom and say, Mom, I went to church today. And Mom's going to be so proud that you went to church. And she's going to ask you, what did you learn at church today? And you're going to say something like this. Well, the pastor said I can cuss in church. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that one is eminently more damaging than the other. And so Paul, when he writes the beginning of Ephesians 4, 29, he says this, don't let that unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't let the words that you use destroy people and tear them down. Instead, allow the words to, that you use to make people whole. It's a switch in the way that we communicate with each other. You see, part of the problem that we deal with, I mentioned earlier that oftentimes the way men think is vastly different than the way women think, but, but the reality is, is that we're broken up into a, a, a four different groups, so the way people communicate and the way we communicate with people who maybe don't think and process the way that we do, a lot of times the miscommunication happens because they don't process the same way that, that we do, and so we think, well, when I communicated it, I said it this way, and I thought everybody understood what I was saying. And they're saying, JJ, I don't process the way that you do. I don't think the way that you do. So when you said this, I know you meant it this way, but this is what I heard. When we communicate with our spouse, on both sides, it's easy for me to pick on men because I'm a guy and it's easy for me to pick on guys, but on both sides, when we communicate, we think, well, I said this and everybody should know what I meant and our spouse says, but that's not how I heard it. Our neighbor, our coworker, I said this, but you heard that. So we wrap up the, that verse in Ephesians by saying this. Remember, he began to let unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but then he says this, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. He says, I don't want that unwholesome words to come out of your mouth, but instead, the words that come out of your mouth should be helpful for what? For building others up according to their needs. In other words, the way that they process information, it's going to be vastly different or possibly could be vastly different than the way you process information. So when you decide to choose the words that you use, those words are not incidental words that we speak generically and throw away. But that every word that we use means something. That when I go into conversation, especially an important conversation, that I have to be careful about the word choice that I have. 
Because my words are meant to do this, to build each other up. Not according to my needs, but according to their needs. And that's where the rub starts to happen. You see, we get into a conversation. Maybe it's not even a disagreement. We're just having a conversation about life. And the way we communicate is the way we tend to think, well, everybody thinks the way that I do, so this is just going to make sense to them. And then we start to communicate, and before we know it, we're like, I don't even understand, like, we're on the same page. Why are we fighting about this? It wasn't an issue of of content. It was an issue of the way we communicated it. And so throughout this series, we're going to do a couple of things. Throughout this series, we're going to take this verse in Ephesians, and we're going to look at just from, from the way that we're wired. There's basically four different temperaments. And the way that we're wired, how do we take what we're learning in Ephesians 4.29 and apply that to the way that people are wired? You see, if I'm wired a certain way, and we're going to get into our different personality types and how all that kind of dialogues together. But if I'm wired a certain way, and I think because I have what's called, and we'll get into this next week, but I have this, this sanguine personality, and I think because I have this sanguine personality that everybody else is going to be just like me, and, and I start to describe it as a person who, who loves people and, lo- and loves fun, and I'm talking to a person who's very task-oriented and doesn't necessarily love people, they say, I might be on the same page about what you're saying, but the way you're describing that is not communicating to me at all. See, if we're going to do what Ephesians 4.29 says, the latter part of that verse, it's understanding that people aren't necessarily wired the way that we are. And so when we start to communicate, and this is, this is really, really important for where we're going. I've heard this phrase over and over and over. When we start to figure out the way that people, people are wired, we realize the way that we communicate with them, that even certain words that we use can be used to scratch an itch in their life. How many of you have ever had like that one spot in the middle of your back that you can't reach? And it's like, man, I, I just can't get it. And then you lean into your husband or your wife and, and you say, hey, can, can you just scratch my back real quick? How cathartic is that? Like when that happens, doesn't it just feel good when that happens? Like they start scratching your back and you're like, wait, now there's another, it's just to the side a little bit. Like, like it happens, everybody knows that that happens, but it just, it just feels so good when that itch is scratched. When it comes to our personalities, there are things that people say to us that are just like that. They scratch an itch. I know in my life, there are two people in particular that from the moment that I got to know them, like just the way that they communicated and we communicated back and forth, like they scratched an itch in my life. And I found myself that the more I talk to them, the more I'm like, man, like it just is good just talking to you. Like there are people, and you're going to understand this when I use this terminology, there are people who the moment that you start to talk to them, in your mind you're thinking, man, somebody gets me. Like somebody understands me and it makes me want to go back to that person because I feel like, man, they really get me. And when I talk to them, they speak a language that builds my character up. Well, Paul writing the book of Ephesians says that's how we should try to be with everybody. We should try to figure out what in their life scratches their itch. 
And then we use those words, we use those terminologies to try to build people up rather than tearing them down. In order for us to do that, it takes literally us entering into a conversation saying this conversation isn't about me. See, most discussions we go into, especially if they get heated, we're thinking about what's going to appease me. But Paul writes and says, when you have those conversations, whether there's disagreements or not, you enter in not asking, what do I get out of this? But how can I build the other person up? How can I encourage them? And when I do that, I start to remove the conflict in my life. I found when I just developed these two friendships that in those seasons when I didn't necessarily need advice and counsel, I knew the right thing to do. But I just needed someone to lift me up when I was down. That these two guys were guys I could talk to that would scratch that itch in my life. And when I saw that, I didn't, at first it was subconscious, and later on I became more conscious of it. The more I saw that, the more I'm like, man, I want to be that type of friend. I want to be that type of person. The challenge becomes, how do we always do that when people are wired differently? Over the course of the next couple of weeks, there's a couple of things we're going to do. First of all, we've been talking about this all week long, but we have these workbooks back at the back. If, if you're in a group, I would definitely challenge you to get one of these books. Even if you're not, I'd encourage you to get one of these. At the very beginning, I already took this. There's a 40-question assessment test to figure out what your personality is. Uh, I'd encourage you, whether you're in a group or not, get that. You figure yourself out. But you also figure out how other people are wired. So when I communicate with my wife, who isn't wired like I am, I realize the way that I communicate myself naturally isn't going to speak to her. She's laughing at me right now because she knows it. And she's shaking her head vigorously, yes. So it helps us figure out who we are. It helps us figure out who our spouse is. And we figure out how can I communicate better. Uh, if you're not in a group, listen. And, and I want to say this before I go into groups. It, it, um, these books, I think they're $15 for one. They're two for 25 uh, This is so important to me. Like our relationships are so important to, to me that, that if you come in this morning, you're like, man, my life is in shambles. I'm not sure what's going on. I want a book. I can't afford one today. We want to be able to, just, to give you one of these to make sure that you get the resources that you need. Uh, so by all means, if you need that, take advantage of that. But we want to be able to give people tools to help make their relationships better. Um, so this is a, a study written by uh, Kathleen Edelman. She goes to North Point Church, Andy Stanley's church. Uh, incredible stuff that's in there. We're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks. So get one of the books. If you're not in group, I know for the last couple of weeks we've talked about group if you're not in group, I would challenge you to do this. This week and over the course of the next couple weeks, our groups are beginning. I know how intimidating groups can be. I remember as, as I was a youth pastor here when I started, and, and right after I took over as lead pastor, I was going into a group that uh, pretty soon was meeting at Jeff and Connie's house, and I didn't know a lot of the adults that were there, and even coming in as, as pastor, that could be a little bit intimidating. I know how intimidating that could be. I challenge you to do this. If nothing else, say, hey, I want to sample out groups. I want to come in. I'll, I'll, I'll try this series out. Listen, there's no commitment after the series. If you just say, man, I want to be part of a group, I'm going to give it just eight weeks to go through this series. Uh, for most of our groups this week, is just we're going to get together, have dinner, get acquainted. There's not a lot of formality the first week. But it gives you a chance because for me, the single greatest, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks, the single greatest uh, help in, in this journey that we have is the people that we're doing life with. Uh, so as you have this discussion, pick up a book either way, but if you're not in a group, today would be a, a great day to say, man, I'm, I'm in, I want to join a group, that'd be awesome. 
But I want to give us a couple of practical things to leave here with. Every word you use is a word you choose. I'll say that again. Every word you use is a word you choose. We don't, we don't have throwaway words. We don't have vain words that mean nothing. Every word you use is a word you choose. So when you're having a discussion, three things I want to challenge you. If, if you came just for this week and you're like, I'm not sure I'm even going to be back next week. I want to give you three, weeks, three things you can start working on this week to start to make a difference. And hopefully it means you'll be back again next week. Three things. So number one is this. Assess the need. When I say assess the need, three things to avoid miscommunication. Assess the need. It doesn't mean your need. You know what your need is. It means assess the need of whoever it is that's on the other side of the discussion. If it's a customer that you're dealing with, figure out what's the, what's the biggest need that they have right now. What's the best way I can communicate with them? Assess the need that they have. Number two is this. Understand they might be wired differently than yourself. And when that happens, give them grace. When you start to discover your personality, some are very, very focused on rights and wrongs. And the other person they're talking to might not be. Give them grace because they're not going to be wired the same way that you are. And by the way, that's okay. That's not a stressful thing. It just is we have to assess the need, understand they might be wired differently. And number three is this. Communicate to that difference. I figured out that we're different. I understand you might be wired differently than me. And so because of that, as I attempt to have this conversation... And literally in any facet of my life, I can start to apply these things. I've figured out what your need is. I understand that you're wired differently than me. And I start to communicate that difference. I know that naturally I'm wired to think this way. But if you're not and we're having a discussion, it doesn't do me any good to communicate to my needs. If you're wired differently than I am. So I communicate to your need. I communicate to your difference. And with that, I don't remove all miscommunication is still possible. But I extricate a lot of it. And I say, as much as I can, I'm living up to Ephesians 4.29 and this challenge to not use unwholesome words, but instead to use our words to build each other up. And by the way, if there's ever been a time in my life that our country and world has needed that more than now, at least I've not seen that. We need that right now. There's so much division. There's so much destruction. We need to use words that build each other up instead of tearing each other down. And that's a biblical principle. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how to do that. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you give us practical insights on how to have relationship. God, that we're supposed to come in and, and to assess the needs of the people that we're having conversations with. We're supposed to understand we might be wired a little bit differently and we're supposed to communicate to that difference. God, I believe that when we do that, not only are we depicting what Paul laid out in the book of Ephesians chapter four, but God, we're also modeling the way that Jesus lived life. Who, though he was in the form to be equal with you, he emptied himself of that assessing our need to come down here to earth. God, it wasn't his need that led him to do that, but it was our need. And God, in doing that, he gave us the picture of this is what relationship is supposed to look like. 
It's why when we see in scripture the husband-wife mentioned, relationship mentioned over and over, he draws the parallel between the love that Jesus has and the church the, and, the hus- and the love the husband has for the wife. For in Jesus coming here to earth, he gave us the picture of what relationship is supposed to look like. Jesus came to make our lives better, but he also came to make us better at life. And so God, I pray this morning, first and foremost, for the person who's here, whose their life is still separated from you. God, Jesus paid the ultimate price in assessing our need and, and meeting that need and speaking towards the differences. He came out down here to earth to give us freedom. And God, there are some people here this morning that are not living in that freedom. I pray, God, that even right now, they'd make a decision to say, I know Jesus made that bridge between us. And today I'm calling upon him as my savior to allow that bridge to be built. God, I pray for the person that's without Jesus this morning, that they wouldn't leave here without knowing who he is. But God, for those right now that are in the midst of a different kind of conflict, every one of us has conflict, but some of our conflict right now is especially powerful. There's battles that are raging even right now. God, I pray that you'd bring peace to the conflict. God, I pray that you'd allow maturity to set in and, and, and for there to be grace and, 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 and love within those relationships. And God, I pray if nothing else, that in the midst of all of that, that you would teach us to be mature followers of you and to communicate in a way that isn't trying to build ourselves up, to communicate in a way that isn't unwholesome, but instead, that if every word we use is a word that we choose, that we'd be very intentional about the dialogue that we have. That we would be careful about saying the things that we mean. And that we would communicate truth because communication is so challenging today. God, teach us to extend the same grace that you've shown us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.